3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, listeners. You're listening to Thursday Breakfast on 855am. Welcome, Em. Welcome, Carly. (laughs) It's the 26th of October. Who would have thought? Amazing, amazing. Getting through to the end of the It doesn't feel like spring, though. I realised thinking this morning, I'm like, it still bloody feels like winter. Mm. I'm so over it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was recently sick early in this week, so listeners, please bear with my voice. Um, Yeah, I think just... Spring ills. <laughs> I know, it's like you think you've gotten over the hump and then you're like, ah, no, mm. more sickness, more cold weather. <laughs> we'll get there, we'll get there. In saying that, though, we have an amazing lineup this morning. We definitely do. Uh, first up this morning, after some news at 7.15, we're going to be talking with Tekber Saleh, who is an amazing human rights advocate who's been travelling around Australia um, on a speaking tour, and she is from, she's of the Sarawi people and in the Western Sahara and she's been talking about human rights and decolonisation. So we're going to be chatting with her this morning about that. Right. And then at 7.30 we're going to talk with Georgia Maguire and Beck Saltmarsh um, on the exhibition that they have on at the moment in Maryborough, which is the first exhibition of their, um, the collective that they're a part of, which is made up of Indigenous women and trans and gender diverse artists. So that's really exciting. We'll be chatting with both of them at 7.30. Mm. And then we're going to be chatting with Cheryl Axby, uh, the co-chair of Natsals, um, speaking about the use of spit hoods on young people in South Australian prisons. Um, and then next up, we're going to be speaking with Dino and Zoe, who are the editors of the Suburban Review. And lastly, we're going to be speaking with Scotty McDinney, who's up in Boralula at the moment, um, talking about a new film that he's a part of that's about the anti-fracking campaign in Boralula and the Northern Territory. Yeah. <laughs> We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMARC a 3CR supporter.
You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM, and in the studio this morning we've got Em and Carly. And unfortunately we're not joined by Kate Kelly this morning, mm. so it's going to be me giving you the news headlines. So, are you good to go? Yeah. Let's do it. So, prominent left-wing Melbourne councillor Stephen Jolly has resigned from the Victorian Socialists amid serious criminal allegations surrounding his criminal behaviour. Details of the accusations surrounding Stephen Jolly cannot currently be reported for legal reasons. In a statement published on Facebook, the Victorian Socialist said the denials of his wrongdoing were not credible. Jolly denies any wrongdoing. In the comments, the party came under for its previous handling of complaints, with many people questioning the party's investigation processes. Next... Children as young as 13 were pinned to the floor by youth justice workers and forced to wear spit hoods in a South Australian youth detention centre. A report by the state's ombudsman found that spit hoods were used in the state's youth detention centre 57 times between October 2016 and June 2019. One child at the facility was made to wear a spit hood 19 times within nine months. South Australia is the last state in Australia to permit the use of spit hoods in youth detention centres after their use in the Northern Territory's Dondale Youth Detention Centre was exposed and sparked a Royal Commission. The state government has given an in-principle commitment to phase out the use of spit hoods by 5th of September next year. And we're going to be chatting with Cheryl Axeby, the co-chair of the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services at 7.50, so stay tuned for more on that. And lastly in news headlines, a landmark report by the IPCC has revealed that sea levels will rise higher and faster than previously thought. The report showed that inaction on climate change will likely result in sea level rise of 1.1 metres by 2100. That is up from the 2013 projection of more than 90 centimetres. Without action, the seas will be 5 metres higher by 2300. Low-lying coastal communities face regular extreme flooding by mid-century, with some islands and coastal sediments becoming completely uninhabitable. In Australia, 80% of the population live within 50 kilometres of the coast. Previous reports have warned of of flooding in bayside suburbs such as Elwood and Eltona. And that's all we have this morning in the headlines prepared by the wonderful Kate Kelly. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, and now I think we need to head to a track. All right. So let's play uh, Mood by Jess B. Yeah. I get back tonight where the trouble at. Whole thing on my phone trying to holler at. And I only move forward on my track, run it back. And I only came once, so I ain't coming back. Look, I make moves, I don't double tap. And I put in the work, then I double back. Stacking up the cash, baby, need a rubber band. You need a fragile sticker and some bubble wrap. Don't come at me, cause the girls stay with me. In the AK, I got girls in Sydney. We will wild out and we will get shifty. Face on canvas, the mouth ain't pretty. No biggie, we booked and we busy. No ice on my neck, but the fit's so drippy. You wanna leave with me? Go eyes the committee. And you better show me why you working with it. Too wild, yeah, the team too wild. Back on back, that's that woo child. Too severe, yeah, the team too severe. And we keepin' that move for the rest of the year. Yeah, we keepin' that mood, yeah. That mood, yeah, we keepin' that mood, yeah. That mood, yeah, we keepin' that mood, yeah. That mood, and you better make room when we step in the room. Yeah. 
big mama, I don't want no drama, I don't take no shit, yeah, I do what I wanna, don't got no designer, no Fendi, no Prada, but we got that savage like Rihanna, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, yeah, we rolling gang gang, all team ride, we be at the same thing, yeah, we getting packed on the of sound, bang bang, then we skirt, pray, pass and pit up it, ching ching, just some big boss bitches making boss moves, motivated too, cause my rent drew, and I stay up on your mind like some shampoos, oh, you trying to fill my spot, well, that's some big shoes, I'm a big shark, baby, no boasting, I'm just riding my wave, just coasting, and I'ma speak my speech till it's spoken, yeah, level up, baby, we evolving, too wild, yeah, the team too wild, black on black, that's that woo child, too severe, yeah, the team too severe, and we keeping that move for the rest of the year, yeah, we keeping that mood, yeah, that mood, yeah, we keeping that mood, yeah, that mood, yeah, we keeping that mood, yeah, that mood, and you better make room when we step in the Shorty, your bitch wanna get all naughty. 
Cause it's money over everything Cause it's money over everything Yeah, yeah, I got this, I got that, I give that They got chance, I got back, what you had She said she love confident, don't care about the consequence She said black, excellent, she want all this confident She said black, excellent Yeah, I got this, I got that, I give that They got chance, I got back, what you had She said she love confident, don't care about the consequence She said black, excellent, she want all this confident She said black, excellent I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. Join me, Aya Cry with Ubuntu Voices. Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey Ubuntu Voices, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free, one of us is chained, none of us are free. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual. Knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. You're on 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55am. It's quarter past seven at the moment. And on the line, we're joined by Tekbe Saleh, who is an advocate for human rights, who... We're just 
oh yeah, who is an advocate for human rights and has written and spoken abroad about the plight of her people. Tekbe lives in the Sahrawi. Good morning, Tekbe. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. To jump right in, Tekbe, would you be able to tell us a bit about a bit about your work and what you've been talking about as you've travelled around Australia these past few weeks on your speaking tour? Thank you. Um, basically, I'm here in Australia to talk about the cause of the issue of Western Sahara. It's the last uh, uh, African colony, and we used to call ourselves the Forgotten Conflict because uh, it has been going for more than four decades and uh, most of the world doesn't know about it. So basically, my job here is to just talk about the cause of Western Sahara to Australian people and raise awareness, hopefully, that will help us to <coughs> to achieve our self-determination and the referendum. Uh, Western Sahara is uh, in north of, uh, west of Africa. It used to be a Spanish colony, uh, but we didn't get our independence from Spain. Instead, they handed us over to Mauritania and Morocco, the neighboring countries. Uh, and uh, we fought the, the fight against Morocco and Mauritania, and uh, you know Mauritania uh, basically gave up and recognized us as a country, while Morocco just continued the occupation and take over the land. Uh, they divided the land in the in the world into two halves, with a, a berm, a wall full of land meant to separate the people. This this conflict has caused the flee of thousands of uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, to Algeria, the neighboring country, and we are where I was uh, born and raised there. Uh, so I come actually from a refugee camp in Algeria. It's one of the oldest and the longest refugee camp in the world. Uh, the war, this war continued for 16 years, and the UN interfered to do, uh, for, uh, promote ceasefire and uh, referendum. So the Sahrawi people can uh, vote for what they want. Uh, Morocco and Polisario agreed on this, but since then we never have that referendum. Uh, it has been now 28 years and we're still waiting for that referendum. So that's why I am talking here, to just promote uh, the conflict and see how the international community can do about this. Uh, because no country in the world recognizes the sovereignty of Morocco over the, over the region, and uh, we are recognized by more than 80 countries in the world, and we are a member state of African Union. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm just basically talking about the situation and how this conflict caused a lot of harm to the Sahrawi people, both in the occupied territory and the refugee camps. Refugee camps are in the desert, and you can imagine how hard is that to be living for 44 years in the desert. It's very extreme in everything, uh, temperature, the lack of water, uh, everything that depends on humanitarian aid. Every time you get less and less humanitarian aid with the years. Um, and yes. And recently you were going to give a talk at the University of Sydney, I believe, which was cancelled at the last minute. Um, mm. 
would you be able to speak a bit about, I guess, what you feel like was going on in terms of the, the perception of potential um, foreign interference or negative reactions um, fro- towards uh, speaking out, I guess, about all these things that you've been sharing with us? I think that's one of the reasons we are still struggling is Morocco is doing a very good, uh, doing a very good job uh, in terms of uh, not letting people know about Western Sahara. Uh, Morocco is uh, uh, doing a tremendously uh, bad job in the occupied territory, uh, human rights abuse on a daily basis. Nobody knows about this because no media is allowed to enter the region. No international uh, human rights observers allowed to enter the region. And they are exploiting our natural resources. Uh, the land is full of uh, phosphate, rich of phosphate, uh, fishery, uh, agriculture, even sand. They send it to uh, internationally. So they are exploiting the natural regardless of what international law said. Uh, they are not allowed to touch these resources unless we just, uh, they get the consent of the Sahrawi people, and they are not doing that. And they are using this money to, you know, to basically lobby, buy opinion, uh, and stopping the process of the peace uh, referendum process, so no country actually pressuring them to, to go and sit with us and negotiate and have a referendum done. So what we and then whenever we have an activity long uh, worldwide, they always try to you know uh, to stop us, and they have no right for that, and also they have no reason because they don't argue with reasons, with reasonings or evidence. They just you know try to buy opinion and say, okay, those people you know they don't have anything. We have their land. Uh, we can, you know we can promote, we can give you anything to just not talk about them so nobody actually knows about them so i i felt like very sad knowing that australia they appreciate the freedom of speech uh, they appreciate the, you know access to information basically and we have no uh, we are not against you know if they can organize also uh, another lecture where morocco can talk and actually give us uh, an answers also because we would like to ask them some questions uh, so I was really sad that actually they listened to what Morocco has uh, asked them for. Uh, they basically sent them a letter complaining about uh, my lecture because I had another lecture earlier saying that it's the same lecture, which was not because uh, my first lecture was talking about the conflict and la- last colony and the, just basically the struggle of the Sahrawi people in the refugee camp in the Kobay territories. While this one was more about law and how the international law is supporting our case and they are still yes they are not the international community they are not doing anything about it so basically it's just the legal aspect of the conflict and how the united Nations has dealt with the conflict and how the you know and we didn't have the chance but uh we had we held the same lecture actually on the same day yesterday uh, in, uh, in the University of Technology, which was really successful, and we are really happy that a lot of people actually, after reading the article in The Guardian and, you know, hearing about this, actually showed up, and they really want to see what's going on. And this is what happened in the world, because usually a lot of people are interested, but since they can't access the information or they can't, you know, uh, they always, uh, you know, they they don't know anything, but once you start talking and they see that actually it's illegal 
conflict and um, it has all the support from international law and human rights, they actually get very interested and they know what Morocco is doing is wrong. So that's actually one of the aim of this thing, and then I was, which was really successful. Yeah, that's really interesting that because that article came out in The Guardian that now people are actually really possibly even more interested in what you have to say. Um, mm. Yeah, so what other um, speaking events are you yeah, doing um, across so-called Australia at the moment? Actually, it's, it's, it's came to the end of my tour now. Uh, <laughs> so this course was really on point. So to just say that, thank you, Australia, because it has been so nice. Uh, I was being very welcomed by very lovely people. Um, and then I was given more hope because we always survive on hope. And there are lots of people who still care about human rights, care about, uh, you know, uh, international law, and they wanted to see applied in every corner in this global, in every corner in this world. So I'm very happy that I got a lot of uh, nice people around me and people who are interested actually in the cause. And uh, yeah, and thank you, Australia. And Tekla, before you wrap up, I just want to ask one more question. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, what do you feel like, uh, in terms of what you've been talking about with the struggle for you know, resistance, self-determination and sovereignty in the Western Sahara. What, what lessons, I guess, do you feel like there can be learned from people around the globe, from First Nations people around the globe? And also, what do you feel like you've learned yourself from travelling around so-called Australia? You know, here at 3CR, we're broadcasting from stolen and unceded land, Wurundjeri and Bunurong land. Um, and, you know, you spoke in so-called Melbourne a few weeks back. Do you feel like both... You've learned things through travelling across these lands and also that um, that knowledge and skill share goes the other way as well. I was really surprised uh, because I didn't know this before I came to Australia. You know, I was surprised that a lot of people around this world, they still face from the same issue, the issue of colonialism and, you know, uh, denying their rights for self-determination for basically their existence. my hope is basically that every person in this world will have uh, what they are asking for, which is their right, their birthright, with peacefully, you know, resolution, peaceful uh, ways. So they don't have to struggle. They have. To, they don't have to be killed for it. They don't have to be, you know, um, forced to live this life in, in, in a bad way. In, in say. We as Sahrawis, as I told you, were from Africa. People tend to ask me why Australia. Australia is very far away from from Africa. But we know the history of Australia, how they supported East Timor. And our case is basically like Timor Este. It's the same, even the same year, the same thing, everything. Uh, you know, the colony left and uh, never country invade and, you know, UN interfered, brought this fire. Uh, Timor Este was very supported by Australians, you know, and they got uh, the self-determination referendum. And yet we didn't get that uh, the same. Uh, and then we are asking, we have the same case. Why in some, court, in some part of the world apply and another part doesn't apply? And and that we know basically the answer for that. It's like Morocco is supported by France, and France is like they hold the veto power. So also it shows you that in this still in these days the world's not equal in terms of power and who have the say in this. Uh, my aim is to if the international community can press French, press French, or 
you know, or try to change this, try to make this law apply to every corner in this global uh, world. And uh, also another thing is, uh, oh my God, I forgot my my thought. Uh, Yeah, so... Yeah, Basically, yeah, our our struggle was a peaceful for, for more than four decades, and we feel that the the world is taking us for granted because you you see media everywhere in Wales violence, uh, you know, and uh, international okay, let's do solution because there is violence going on, and yet there are people, hundreds of thousands of people who are struggling peacefully, trying to show the world that they they believe in the international law, they believe in United Nations, they believe in peace. And please just grant us that type of determination, and that's actually right, which is our right. We don't want to to to, to start a war in a region, another region of the world, and then just disable the region. We want to see seriously to be, uh, you know, hand with hand with the United Nations and the world, you know, this project. And to wrap up, Tekbe, how can listeners find out more and support the struggle for self-determination in Western Sahara? There are uh, a lot of uh, basic. There are a lot of uh, you know uh, websites where there is uh, news every day, and also just by hearing about it and googling it, basically you find everything there. Um, uh, here is a very nice um, uh, association, uh, Western Sahara Australian Association. They are very active people. Uh, they have a lot of information. Also, you can. Uh, be in contact. They have a Facebook page. Uh, they organize like different, you know, events where there's movie showing or you know lectures. Uh, and then I just hope that a lot of people will be interested. Absolutely, we do encourage listeners to check that out. And thank you so much for joining us this morning, Techbear, and safe travels home. Thank you. You're on 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55 a.m. It's 7.30. And our guest just then was Tekber Saleh, a human rights advocate um, who's been travelling around Australia talking about the struggle for self-determination in Western Sahara. Great. And now I think we might head to a track, um, this time by Sampa the Great from her new album, The Return. Um, and let's play Diamond in the Rough. Wonder why they spit the looky shiny up and lush. Spit shine, five year with time. Knew it was a matter of course, they all force. Like most, like you when you lost. Now they shine iron when you speedy on your growth. Boss, I expect the most. That's within the politics of looking like a boss. Doors, you open the doors. Only if the body walking openly is yours. Doors, remember the cause. Boy Scout cookies while I'm cleaning in my sauce. Of course, you're like at a loss. Passion, I ain't packing, I'm a vacuum for the cause. Force, I was never yours. Let me elevate, cause truly, who is better? Who is better?
Songs of freedom to the end and it goes Get me out of your heart, fool, I hate, I can't understand Just let me play my part, if I ain't black, I'm another man So, do you understand what it takes to walk on my shoes My physical vehicle on the news, away from today I still don't lose, we'll keep the essence linked up with Sam for the great to give him the message So instead of cracking for them, make excellent blacks representing what a Aya Cry with Ubuntu Voices, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free. One of us is chained. None of us are free.
QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code and follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR funded by the City of Yarra. You are listening to 855 AM um, 3CR and Thursday morning breakfast with Carly and M. Sorry, just stumbled through that a little bit. Um, and now we are joined uh, on the phones uh, with Beck and Georgia Maguire. Beck Saltmarsh is an emerging Indigenous non-binary um, artist from Melbourne, uh, Melden, sorry, who explores identity through art and ancestral history. And Georgia Maguire is a Wurundjeri, Wurundjeri uh, artist who makes work under the pseudonym Black Gin. So welcome. Hi. Oh, good morning, oh, both. <laughs> I was, Georgia, I was wanting to start off with, could you give us a bit of an overview about the exhibition? Yeah, okay. So um, it's called Nardangiri Kalatni Mini, which is a basically means mother, auntie, sister, daughter in the four languages of the four founding women of the group. Um, the exhibition's at the Central Goldfields Art Gallery in Maryborough, so in Central Victoria, uh, and it's a collection of probably 20 plus, plus artists, um, women and both non-binary and trans-diverse artists from regional areas in Victoria, and it sort of explores a range of things, but particularly around, um, you know, identity and, and connection to country, so they're probably the, the two key um, themes of the show, but it's a mix of quite high-profile um, artists as well as emerging artists, including obviously Beck and um, a couple of... I also work with an organisation called The Torch, and so I've got two uh, women who are just recently released from prison who I've been working with today for artwork in the show as well. So it's a nice mix of contemporary and traditional practices. Um what else can I tell you? It's very good. I recommend you go and see it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, Beck, as one of the artists in the exhibition, would you be able to tell us a little about your work? About my work particularly? Yeah, yeah. So the work that you have oh, sure. in the exhibition and your practice more broadly. Oh, no problem. So I practice um, at the moment primarily in ceramics and weaving my um my weaving teacher is um, Annie Marilyn Nichols. And um, so the artwork that I've made for this show is a combination of both of the two. It's exploring the life of Winnie Colino, who was a circus performer, an Aboriginal circus performer in Australia, in um, Australia and America in the 1920s and later. And she was a really, really innovative person who invented her own circus tricks and she was part of a family who were similarly, like, they were amazing. They were huge. And they're just not really celebrated in circus history at all. So um, 
I wanted to, and, and when they performed around the world, they had to perform as um, nationalities and identities that they weren't in order to be safe. Mm. So in the artwork, I really wanted to be able to celebrate her as the oldest woman in the family um, and as as a really, really talented performer who just didn't receive her due. So, yeah, that's my artwork. Yeah, that sounds like such an incredible history to be bringing to light through through your work. What? Yeah, I feel like it's a process of healing my, my whole family lineage, not just um, redeeming her, her being left out of history. Mm. And, Beck, what you is exciting or powerful about being a part of this exhibition and this collective? Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure actually if you're part of this collective or not, but being part of this, uh, this yeah, exhibition. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's, well, first of all, there's the fact that I'm um, still very new in my art practice and so um, part of, being part of such an incredible exhibition is Exciting and terrifying all at once. Like I remember when I when I took my artwork to the gallery, I um I walked in with it and it was just like this is this is a really big deal exhibition. It just looked amazing. The installation was incredible. It's just like I walked in and I was like, wow, I'm in a gallery. So, um, so like the opportunity for me is incredible. Um. The fact that I'm, I got to meet all of these amazing artists was uh, a little overwhelming. And at the launch, I kept saying hi to people and then um, dissolving into dust of giggles. So, um, you know, and, and people have been so welcoming, um, even if they're huge, high-profile artists that I'm completely in awe of. So that's been um, so enriching for my heart, but also... The fact that I can actually participate in an art exhibition as a non-binary artist um, in the community is... Um, it's a little scary, but it's also very exciting to actually be who I am authentically and publicly mm. um, in a supportive environment, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, Georgia, would, where with this incredible collective... Where where has this come from and what's so important for you about creating and holding this space for Indigenous women and trans and gender diverse and non-binary artists? Um, look, I think it kind of evolved from, um, well, essentially a, a group of, a small group of um, Indigenous women artists who wanted to create opportunities for themselves. So there, there were four of us. It was myself, uh, Arnie Bromman Razum, Arnie Glenda Nichols and Deanne Gilson. Um, and we're from different parts of Victoria. Uh, and I guess um, arts industry can be challenging in itself. So even as a woman, it's you know highly competitive and also as an Indigenous woman and then living in regional areas and... So we sort of we got together so initially so that we could um, put in an application and go to the Festival of Pacific Arts in Guam in 2016, mm. um, which we did, and we took um, Arnie Dyker, who's a Wurundjeri elder, with us, um, and spent two weeks at this amazing festival, and it sort of grew from there, um, where we're passionate about wanting to create 
uh, artistic and, and, you know, professional and cultural opportunities for Victorian Indigenous artists. It started off as women, but I think, um, you know, as I certainly wanted to be more inclusive and, and acknowledge that some of the that some of the barriers for both for Indigenous, um, trans diverse and gender diverse and non-binary artists as well. And so it was like, well, if you want to be part of this space, then you're welcome and let's, let's work on it so that it is a more inclusive space. Um, and often we're challenged with the notions of what uh, Aboriginal art is perceived to be or Aboriginal art and culture is perceived to be. And there's mm. a lot of stereotypes around that. So particularly around, you know, sort of northern notions of dot painting and, and those kind of things. So when you say Aboriginal art to people, often the first thing they think of is dot painting or, you know, they think of Northern or WA or Queensland work, whereas Victorian Indigenous art and culture is quite unique um, and and extremely beautiful and amazing in its own right. And so I'm really passionate about trying to get that out there and, you know, say that there's, you know, there's over 300 different languages groups across the country and we all have our own different mark-making techniques and you know, weaving techniques and all sorts of things. And so the exhibition is actually a mix of, you know, some a lot of contemporary practice, but also a lot of that contemporary practice usually links into more traditional um, histories and narratives as well. Uh, so I guess I'm really passionate about creating opportunities for us as artists in, you know, in a broader sense. Um, and also just showcasing how amazing Victorian Indigenous art and culture is. Um, and so, you know, I'm really pushing... I, it looks like the exhibition will actually tour, um, but I'm certainly hoping that it will tour into state if we can get it there. <laughs> wow. um, so I guess that's... Yeah, and so the collective has sort of evolved and we're, we're looking at becoming an incorporated body um, where, you know, I guess through that body we'll feed more opportunities and that will be things like looking towards the next Festival of Pacific Arts, which is in Hawaii next year, um, and trying to get a group for that and, um, you know, other exhibiting opportunities and, and having, you know, somewhere for people to come and say, well, we're looking for artists to run workshops so we're, you know, there's this opportunity or so it's sort of, you know, I guess we it's about supporting each other in a cultural um, environment that's, you know, safe and inclusive and, and supportive. I guess that's where we come from. Mm, absolutely. And um, could you just tell listeners how long this exhibition is running for uh, in Maryborough and, yeah, where they can view it? Yeah, so the exhibition the exhibition's been running since August, but it, it finishes on the 13th of October. So there's, there's a couple of weeks left. And during that, so it's school holidays, I guess. But um, And part of that process is we've been running workshops as well. In So... Um, Maryborough, where I live in Central Coalfields, has a growing Aboriginal population, and so we intentionally chose to exhibit here as a way to kind of make Indigenous culture and community more visible um, and included. Um, but yeah, the exhibition is at the Central Goldfields Gallery. It's only it's less than two hours from Melbourne, so it's a day trip, and it's a beautiful little town with you know not only a gold rush history, um, but also quite a strong Jajarung cultural history, you know, from thousands of years before the gold rush. Um, and so I encourage people to come and have a day trip. I think the weather's going to be warm over the next couple of weeks. So, um, And it's a, the gallery is actually an old, the old converted fire station. 
So it's just it's it's a really lovely space, um, and 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 I think most people who have come in have you know have come in and and been sort of overwhelmed by some of the amazing work, and and so I, I certainly recommend the trip. Um, and there's also lots of you know. There's lots of antique and op shops in Maryborough, so if you're a bit of an <laughs> op shoppy kind of person, make a day of it. Highly recommend them. Make a day of it. Yeah. Absolutely. We really um, encourage listeners yeah. to get on down there before the 13th of October. And just to wrap, before we wrap up, really briefly, I'd like to ask both of you what what you might have coming up and what you're excited about. So, Beck, I might just start with you. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to, either in terms of your own work, other people's work? Um, I'm really looking forward to, I think, um, having the opportunity to be in this exhibition really pushed me to think on a larger scale than I usually work, and I'm really, really looking forward to exploring that more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beck's work is amazing. It's really unique in terms mm. of her, um, the way that she's used the, oh, sorry, the way that they've used ceramics, um, and weaving. So, you know, like, oh, you've got to pull me up on my pronouns because I've had four. <laughs> <of them. laughs> we can work on it. Being conditioned. Yeah, so just, you know, anyway, so I apologise for that. Um, oh, that's but okay. yeah, Beck, yeah, no, Beck's work I, is very, um, is very powerful. And you know, and it, and it holds its own in a room full of, you know, very strong work. So you know, I certainly encourage people to come and see it. Yeah, um, it sounds absolutely incredible, um, and I really hope yeah, to make it down well, to see your yeah. work, Beck, and everyone else's work. Um, and just lastly, George, I know you've got a show coming up. Do you just want to let listeners know yeah, about that? Yeah, I do. Um, I firstly want to encourage people to go to our website, our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram page. Um, and Nardang is N G A R. D-A-N-G, so if you look it up, you just search for Nardang online, you'll find us. But also I, yeah, so I've got a solo show coming up at the Koori Heritage Trust, which opens on the 5th of October. Um, but there's sort of three separate shows. So there's me, Arnie Bronwyn Razan, who's actually part of our collective as well, and Uncle Greg Muir. But my work is about um, Manda Greek, which means large spider and warrung. So for me, um, I work predominantly with paperback and um, I have cerebral arachnophobia. So for me, it's about exploring this notion of colonisation and how that's impacted on my connection to country through my relationship with spiders. And so I've been trying to develop my relationship from one of fear to one of love because Mandagrip is a real matriarchal um, sort of spiritual character which you know represents life and birth and death and, and, and narratives of history and, and Arnie Glenda Nichols always says that if she sees a huntsman it means that she hasn't been doing enough weaving um, so that's my exhibition that's coming up so I'm randomly running around like India trying to get that finished <laughs> so it's already on time and yeah so listeners definitely look that up as well head down to Career Heritage Trust to see George's exhibition um, but make sure you try and get along to Maryborough before yeah. the 8th, 13th of October to see yeah. the last few weeks of Nardangiri Kalat Mamini thank you both Georgia and Beck so much thank you you're welcome you're on 3CR Thursday breakfast 8.55am we've just been talking with Beck Saltmarsh and Georgia Maguire about their exhibition up in Maryborough stay tuned we'll be chatting with Cheryl Axelby in just a minute 3CR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. 
Kamu semua ada dengar Trisia Community Radio. Please subscribe now. Tustamiuna ila ida Trisia Community Radio araja al istirahat alam. Ninggal ungalin samuha wanoli Trisia rai kertu kondir kondir kal. Inre nenggal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Metsuk ketsek Radio i Gairanin boratang gudam elbumi hai kawatin. Hima artan akrvetsek ifer Trisia rai antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. Join me, Aya Kwai, with Ubuntu Voices, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African-Australian make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free. One of us is king. None of us are free. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope... Only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au.
I got a problem with order, so we are not fucking with borders. We run it on every corner. The world is all mine, I'm a hoarder. I come from straight out the snow, though. My blood a hundred below, yo. I saw everywhere that I go, though. You family, you already know. He died, he died, they love me cause I'm with her. Cash so fluid, I counted in liters. Fly around the block, hot in a two-seater. How you do that? Me away, sex, I bring up. Land down under, come true, do it. Hit it, slaughter, slay it, do it. What's hard for you, for me, ain't none to it. This shit hot fire, your shit hot sewage. They love me cause I bring heat with it. I'm out here running the streets with it. Came out the underground, creeped in it. Now I'm on the next level, freaking it. And I'm making news like I'm CNN. Downing in money like sleeping in. Wave like tsunami, I'm sweeping in. And I do it all while you're sleeping in. shit, but never hit when it's time to fight your bell on it. You better call correct. I ain't for your head, then I ain't for your neck. My shot hard, my shot hit. Now play around with my new shit. Music is sport. Now play full garbage, coming for the I way. got fire in my eyes, watch it burn, watch me drive it. If they wanna go, tell them meet me on the line, yeah. Meet me on the line, tell them meet me on the line, yeah. If they wanna go, tell them meet me on the line, this all he I wanna see that work, I wanna see that sweat. We go hard for the fame, everybody coming with. I wanna see that work, I wanna see that sweat. I get stronger, they get weaker, can you keep I wanna see that work, I wanna see that sweat We go hard for the fame, everybody come away I wanna see that work, I wanna see that sweat How get stronger, they get weaker, can you keep up it, sir? And that track there was Heater by Jesswa, who's making music at the moment up in Minjin, Brisbane. Such a great track. Really excited um, for Jesswa to be bringing out new music soon. And now on the line, we're joined by Cheryl Axby, the co-chair of Natsels. Welcome, Cheryl. Hi, thank you for having me today. Thank you. So the South Australian Ombudsman recently released a report that considered 459 incidents of the use of force at Adelaide Youth Training Centre between October 2016 and June 2019. And the report says that 12% um, of those incidents involved the use of a spit hood. Um, mm-hmm. Could you speak a bit more about this report and Natsal's um, position? Yeah. Well, what is concerning is, you know, since the Northern Territory Royal Commission... Um, into detention, um, the use of spit hoods um, was a significant issue um, that was really gaining national attention. And I think a lot of our community were actually quite um, shocked to know that the use of spit hoods was actually being used on children. Um, what the Ombudsman report has found that in South Australia, um, that the practice um, is still in effect um, and that South Australia really is the only state left that is actually still using them. Yeah. And this practice has been used for quite a while, and we've seen this in other incidents as well. Um, Yeah. Could you speak more about what the community needs to do to um, ensure that spit hoods aren't used in the future? Um, Children that come in contact with the justice system. Um, We've got to realise that they are children, um, and the manner in which they're being treated, um, and particularly by in a situation where they're actually quite distressed um, and then staff moving to try and put something over their heads at a time where they're also detaining them and handcuffing them, it actually creates more trauma 
um, in actual fact, other states and territories um, have moved to actually provide protection um, equipment for their staff rather than putting children through such a quite a distressed situation. Uh, and what we've been calling for in South Australia is that they should immediately cease the practice and follow other states and territories and buy the protective equipment for their staff rather than putting children through such a traumatised um, situation. Mm. And Cheryl, it's M here. And clearly the, the use of spit hoods is a particularly, particularly like barbaric and torturous practice, yeah. but obviously it's not happening in isolation or it's not the only thing that we want to be campaigning against. Right. Um, and the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Service you know, has done so much amazing work campaigning to get kids out of, out of custody, out of detention, full stop. Could you talk a bit more about, I guess, yeah, how this fits in the broader campaign to stop yeah. locking up young children and particularly young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children around so-called yeah. Australia? Yes, well, one of the things that we've been um, calling for um, is raising the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 14 years, which is in line with international standards um, and also in line with um, United Nations Conventions on the Rights of Children who only last week um, had issued a directive to all countries, including Australia, um, that they should immediately consider raising the age of criminal responsibility. And the reason for that is that a lot of our um, young children, um, and this is all children that go into the justice system, um, in regards to um, their brain development um, and the capacity to understand, um, you know, making, um, I suppose, or just say, decisions without thinking um, and not thinking about the consequences of behaviour. It's a well-known medical fact that has been supported by the Australian Medical Association as well um, that we need to actually look at how we uh, deal with children um, and not criminalise them at such an early age. And we can do that by offering interventions and supports and creating opportunity for children to learn from mistakes that they made you know, in a more safer way rather than actually criminalising the behaviour because what the evidence has found that once children come into the justice system, it's very difficult for them to get out of the justice system. And considering um, the impact on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth in this, um, our children are overrepresented um, in the youth justice system. We're overrepresented in the child protection system. And what we have found is that the child protection system, for a lot of the children that go through it, actually become criminalised through the child protection system. So what is really important for us to think about for our future generations in Australia is if we raise the age of criminal responsibility and we actually have great, greater interventions that deter people away from the justice system, that we're not going to end up um, with adults, um, so many adults in the justice system in the future. And how that impacts on our Aboriginal kids is that around about, I think it's about 70% of kids, Aboriginal kids in custody uh, make up the age bracket from 10 to 14 years, mm. which is why we've been so strong mm. about calling for raising the age of criminal responsibility. Mm. And one thing that has, you know, that feels really important to me about the revelations from this report that have come out, which are, you know, horrific, but also not surprising given what we know about, you know, this system that targets and locks up young children, is it also it sort of shows that this is this is widespread and this is systemic. You know, it's not just Absolutely. isolated to, to Dondale or to the Northern yeah. Territory, which I feel like is often the way this is talked about in mainstream media, yeah. but actually this is endemic to every prison that locks up young children across so-called Australia. Absolutely. And, you know, what we've seen um, in other states and territories is, you know, when Dondale um, and the issue came to a head, 
um, some of them immediately took action um, to cease the practice. Um, and, you know, that's why you know, the Aboriginal Legal Rights Movement in South Australia has been really strong in calling upon the South Australian government here. Um, you know, whilst they've endorsed and accepted the recommendations of the Ombudsman, um, they're saying that they can't change this practice for another 12 months. And what we're saying is, you know, that's not at all acceptable. And quite frankly, if other states and territories have been able to do that, um, then South Australian government should be able to do that um, as soon as possible. And they can do that by investing in the protective equipment and just changing the procedure um, in regards to, you know, having their staff equipped rather than putting children who are already traumatised coming into the system and further traumatising um, their experience in the justice system. And just to wrap up, Cheryl, how can listeners find out more about what's going on and also support the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services campaign to stop these practices and also to raise the age of criminal responsibility? Yeah, well, everything that um, the Aboriginal Legal Services highlight, um, you know, end of the day is um, change that is the better for all children that go into the system. And it's really important that, you know, as a society, um, if we want to... Um, ensure that we're not increasing our taxpayer dollars um, into those systems and who, you know, while they see it invested at the early intervention stage, then there'll be further savings down the track in the future um, for, you know, taxpayers in my view because we actually will be um, making a real difference. The justice system itself does not really change behaviour um, and what it does is further criminalises children and, and they learn more criminalised behaviour. Um, our society, I strongly advocate that um, they advocate very strongly with each of their um, attorney generals and each of their states and territories um, to advocate for the practice to immediately cease um, and that we want better outcomes for children for the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on air this morning, Cheryl. Thank you very much for your time. You're on 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55am. It's five past eight. Our guest just then was Cheryl Axelby, co-chair of the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services, talking with us about a recent report that has revealed the horrific use of spithoods on kids in South Australian youth prisons and the importance of getting kids out of custody. Guatemala. I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR, funded by the City of Yarra. 
So just before we were speaking with Cheryl Axby, the co-chair of Natsals, and now we are joined by Dinu and Zoe, who are the editors of Suburban Review. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So could you first off um, just start by talking a little bit about yourselves as editors um, and then also what the Suburban Review was about? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I'm deputy editor of Prose. And I've been with the Suburban Reviews for, oh my goodness, I actually don't know how many years now. <laughs> Probably about three years now. Um, yeah, so, and I've just recently taken up the position of Deputy Editor of Prose. Yeah. Um, yeah, so hi, my name's Zoe. I'm the Deputy Editor of Poetry. Um, I've been with the Suburban Review, I think, maybe since 2014. And, um, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a good ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do some pretty great work and I've been I when I first came on it was the first writers of color issue that we published and we continue to publish amazing work like that. We focus on uh, writers of color, queer writers and are constantly learning ourselves. I think we a lot of what we publish helps us understand and um we make mistakes, we learn and I think that's an important part of our um practice as publishers as well mm. to try and encourage uh, a a better publishing industry. Mm, Absolutely. Um, And I've read a bit of the latest issue, and I found that the Suburban Review was really grounded in place. Mm. Um, Could you speak a bit to that? Uh, Are most of the Suburban Review kind of grounded in, um, you know, uh, people's works from so-called Melbourne and so-called Victoria, or do you try to branch out and speak with other... Um. I guess like uh, I guess one of our initiatives is that we do want to um, support local publishing, and we really are engaged with works that do interact with the media environment, whether it be NAM, so-called Melbourne, or elsewhere. And um, I think it's by being I don't know, it's through the particulars um, and a kind of the honesty with how one is within the world that it just kind of, I don't know, it translates really well. We've published across so-called Australia and we've also published interna- like international artists and writers as well. Um, very much that volume seven um, that Dina was talking about, um, engaged with writers from the UK um, and India as well, um, as well as this, um, so-called Australia. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I going to ask? Um, so I wanted to ask you what you both love about editing, because I do some editing as mm. well. Like I was actually, I'm quite tired this morning because I was up late um, editing <laughs> a mate's work. What, what keeps you, you know, you've both been doing this for quite a while now. What keeps you here? Well, for me, to be honest, it's just the opportunity to read so much, um, like, mm. new writing. And I, and I actually love, while reading, sub, like, submissions is, is quite uh, a long process often because we get quite a few submissions. I just really enjoy that. And then the editing process in particular, I just, I, I really love language. I think it's really interesting. And I love um, try like h- how to best communicate really interesting, complex ideas. And I think we've had the pleasure of publishing some really fantastic writers. And it's, pr- it's a privilege to be able to be like, hey, you're amazing. Mm-hmm what do you reckon like about this sentence? Like that's just an amazing, (laughs) and yeah, and we work, we have a really collaborative process in how we um, do our editing. We don't just, we don't, you know, we have multiple rounds of editing. We communicate with the the writers. And so it's a very collaborative process. And that's, that's a privilege to be able to work with 
um, amazing contemporary writers in so-called Australia as well as internationally. Yeah. Um, and I feel like our editorial practice has really been extended and, and has expanded. Like, for example, we, um, did, oh, we did a, um, uh, the, our number 12 issue iteration was actually, mm. um, and it, it was both a, uh, what, what would you say, a curatorial kind of, um, event, mm. um, where we, coll- we collaborated with NIDA as part of their NIDA Nights program. And, um, the initiative was for there to be, um, an exchange between writers and artists of colour, um, in the space of ekphrasis. So getting, um, uh, people to write poetry in response to artwork and then having a space for that to be um, appreciated and for there to be um, participation and exchange between audience and performer. Um, mm. It took place on one night and then we um, created um, an issue which co- like, kind of like commemorated that event yeah. as well. And I think our move to um, EPUBs has really assisted with uh, A for us, it's, it's made it the magazine more accessible, I think, because we mm. are able to incorporate things like alt text and um, uh, speech to text, um, text to speech. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I think that's that's allowed us to incorporate kind of more interesting media. For example, at the Night of Nights event, we had video that we could then include links to in the EPUB, and so that's really expanded our um, our practice as well. I think. Mm. Mm, yeah, and um, just even the as it is, um, it already, like, the um, magazine already has poetry and mm. non-fiction and comics. Yeah. Yeah, so incredible working across so many mediums. Mm. How do you both find collating each um, review? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, because uh, of the diversity of the work, it is, like, the process is quite varied as well. It can mm. be, like, a... Um, a bit of a scramble at times, <laughs> um, but in a in a way that like again, it's like we're encountering like yeah like interesting challenges that are inherent to mm. um, different kinds of work, and it really challenges like our perspectives and perceptions yeah. of different forms, especially when yeah like we said that our roles are like of poet like deputy editors of poetry of prose, but it doesn't work like that when we read everything. Yeah, we make um we make comments, we make selections about and about what are you know what we what we want and what we like and yeah. how that um and we what we, color the font should be yeah. and things like that which <laughs> we're just like we like pink <laughs> <laughs> it is nice yeah. and can i ask on that note do you see editing and like putting together the suburban review as a form of political practice most definitely yeah that's definitely something that we um are really we we're pretty passionate about not being complacent about who we publish we don't just wait um, for you know diverse voices to come to us, and I think that's partly why a lot of who, who we publish has so far been in so-called Melbourne because that's where the artists on our team practice, and we we look to people, we we um, see around us, and we actively try and engage people that we think have important things to say, and we we um, and we're really yeah we're passionate about making sure we have issues dedicated to to um, yeah to otherwise, you know, marginalise voices in the published publishing industry, voices that don't get opportunities to um, tell their stories. And publishing is, and reading is such an Im- amazing way to um, to communicate new ideas, important ideas. So, mm. I mean, yeah, my status is most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just to, like, second Dino, I think, like, so today is actually marking the opening of submissions for our next issue, which is number 16, Unfunded. And this very much engages with, like, pressing, uh, I guess, political, like, issues that 
uh, being encountered by lots of other um, literary and arts organisations. Mm-hmm. Um, so our initiative with Number 16 Unfunded is that we just want to be upfront about the realities of our situation. Our funding was not renewed in the latest round, and um, we just wanted, again, we wanted to be upfront about it but and be transparent, but also we wanted to acknowledge that our situation is part of a wider narrative. Mm. Um, and um, I don't know, that, and that despite all these challenges, we're going to persevere, um, that we will be crowdfunding and we have done it before and we've been mm. successful and um, that we're proud of what we're trying to achieve and what we have achieved and we're looking forward to what's next. Yeah, and part of what's important, we are, we're launching a possible campaign um, shortly, but our alternative, we are people who are active in the scene. We probably could you know, cash in favours and get people to volunteer their work, but we're really passionate about, if, especially if we're going to publish voices that don't otherwise, you know, um, get the prominence they deserve. We're passionate about, you know, paying them for that work because that's another pattern in, in the creative industry in general that where people expect um, people people to do free creative labor and we really don't want, and that's something we've learned throughout um, our time. We've been publishing for seven years as this, you know, the Suburban Review has been going for seven years and that's something that we've realized is very important and especially if we're going to have the opportunity to... Um, published people that you know we're specifically asking them to to give us their work and mm. we, we need to pay for it mm. and how can listeners buy a copy of the suburban review so you can head on to our website which is the www.thesuburbanreview.com and you can uh, buy copies buy individual copies they're for six dollars 95 or you can subscribe to four future copies I believe it is mm. um, and that's for twenty dollars 95 I mm. think um, but yeah so and you can buy some old issues but if you the best way I think if you want to buy copies support our possible that will come up shortly we're just waiting for it to go live and then you can get back copies of some of our um, print copies as well mm. as our epubs yeah. And um, just like liking our Facebook page, you'll find out when that possible campaign yep. is launched. Um, and yeah, yeah, just to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Thank you both so much for joining us in the studio this morning. Wonderful. Thanks Thank for you. having us. <laughs> You're on 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55 a.m. We've been chatting with Dinu and Zoe from the Suburban Review. Stay tuned. 3CR broadcasters present over 100 radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to one thing at 3CR Community Radio. Please subscribe now. This time we are going to the 3CR Community Radio. Araja al Ishtarakal an. Ningal ungalin samuha vanoli 3CR ay kertu kondir kondir kal. Rinre nayingal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Radio Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. Red Alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurang Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarang country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labour Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. 
Her campaign to protect country is led by Japarang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. Victoria's Roadside Drug Testing Program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics. On In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR, funded by the City of Yarra. And just before on the studio, we had Duny and Zoe from the Suburban Review. Um, and now on the line, we are joined by Scotty McDinney. Welcome, Scotty. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. Um, Scotty, for listeners, could you please start by introducing yourself? Yeah. My name is Scott McDenny. I'm from Barlua, the Gulf of Carpentaria region in Northern Territory. And all my mob is Yanyo Agarwa. Amazing. Um, and Scotty, can you please start by talking about um, this new film that you're featuring in? Um, well, it's called Wabura Bunana. It's like to shield our water, protect our water. And yeah, so last year we got... um. The, um, contamination in the in our drinking water. So this was like a letter from the Department of Health sent out um, a letter to this 
um, town camp back at home, Barola. Mm-hmm. Um, this is young, uh, Garwa 1 and Garwa 2 camp, saying that the water was unsafe to drink, that it had high levels of lead and manganese. And, yeah, this is why we created a film and showing the, the fight and the struggle and yeah, just trying, like, yeah, to protect our water, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And, Scott, you're also involved in SEED. Um, could you talk about, yeah, the work that you've been doing with SEED in that campaign? Yeah, um, well, I've been working with SEED for, like, three years now. Yeah, so going into four, maybe. Um, well, SEED first came to Borough in 2016, and um, that's where I got involved with SEED. And we've been doing anti-fracking campaign and um, and yeah, doing all sorts of work in remote community in, in the Northern Territory, you know, talking about the effects and the dangers of of um, this hydraulic fracking that this new mining industry that wants to come along and frack in the, you know, out in the, the bush. Mm. And, yeah, so. yeah, that fight has just been going on for so long. Um, and how are things at the moment? Yeah, um, they're pushing in there. Like, they're coming in now because, um, you know, last year the, the Northern Territory government lifted the moratorium on, on fracking. So, you know, it was like, and, you know, the NT, like it was um, probably 89% of the whole of NT is, um, was, um, you know, like open for exploration for these companies to come in and start fracking. The way they want to frack is like, it's like in the area of Beedaloo area, but I can't really speak much about that area. It's not my area, mm. but that's where Origin are looking at. And Arma is looking at um, the, the Gulf region where I'm from. So that's what Arma is looking at. Yeah. Arma Energy. Yeah. And back to this film. Um, so it's already been a part of a few film festivals, I believe. Um, what has mm-hmm. been the response so far from the community? The response. Yeah. From yeah. The no. Um, well, the community haven't haven't um, seen it yet. Oh. So um, that's yeah, that's the thing. I need to go back and show my family members that, and 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 tell them that how you know, like we've um we've included. A film that was made back in the, the mid seventies to the early early eighties. It's called Two Laws, and it's in it's in this Wabula Bunana as well. And it shows how to, how our, how our people fought to get that land back. And now we got to uh, you know now we got to try and protect it. Because you know? that's that fight we got is you know it started back in the seventies, and. Mm. Yeah, and that's why yeah, that's why we included that to make to make it look you know the, make it look powerful and you know and show the fight that that our old people started. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the fight has just been going on for so long. So um, it's mm-hmm. so yeah amazing that you're able to feature um, a little bit of a historical record as well into the film. Yeah, and nice. So, yeah, it's so, yeah. yeah. And it did show up in um, Minjin, Brisbane, recently. Um, what were the discussions that were being had up there after the film had um, aired? In Brisbane? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's deadly, deadly film. Like, you know, we we, um, we went there because um, Bo, brother boy Bo, mm-hmm. he wanted, yeah, he wanted um, to screen it up there. So, yeah, we went up there and, yeah, and he, liked, he loved it and... You know, a couple other people there, you know, seen the fight in the film and, 
you know, see what's happening and, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's been daily response from people up there. <laughs> yeah. And I've been told that it is soon to air on NTI, um, yeah, and ITV. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know when that's happening? I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Um, I think there's um, um, yeah, more screening, and then yeah, I think they'll chuck it on NITV or ICTV. Mm. Yeah, for listeners, if you haven't heard about ICTV, um, yeah. It, kind of um, focuses on our more regional stories. So it's a really great mm-hmm. website and definitely encourage listeners to check that out. Um, is there anything else that you'd like listeners to know about this upcoming film or also about the fight in Borolula? Um, this watch it only, like it's a it's a deadly doco, you know, it's made by my old people back in the seventies, you know, the the first one called Two Laws, you know, like because um, our people are living in two laws, you know, our way and the Western way. So, yeah, and this film, it's it's a yeah, it's a deadly film. I recommend you know people to watch it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Scotty, for joining us here on Three CR. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Um, and just then we were speaking with Scotty McDinney about uh, a new film that's soon to air on NITV, Waboro Bonono, uh, Water Shield. And I think that is it for us this morning, Em. Yeah, what an amazing show. Um, just really quickly, you know, first thing this morning, we spoke with Tekbe Seller, um, who's an amazing human rights advocate from Western Sahara on decolonisation and self-determination. We spoke with Georgia Maguire and Beck Saltmarsh about the incredible exhibition they have of First Nations women and trans and non-binary artists up in Maryborough. After that, we spoke with Cheryl Axelby, co-chair of Natsals, about the fight to end like horrific practices against kids in South Australian prisons and all around so-called Australia. And then we spoke with Dinu and Zoe, the editors of Suburban Review, and lastly, Scotty McDinney, who's up in Borroloola. Um, and thanks so much for tuning in to Thursday Breakfast. Stay tuned for Lost in Science. Jump back on air tomorrow for Friday Breakfast, and we'll be back next week for Thursday Breakfast. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>